Well, things are a bit more positive today. There's been strong retail numbers in the United States, way more than expected, and China might be opening up a bit. But will either of these factors stick? Will opening up in China just create more COVID cases, for example? And how much of the retail is being propped up by short-term credit as people adjust to higher prices? And the UK, big increases in people in work. So is that a good thing or a bad thing when it comes to keeping inflation under control? Today we get wage data for Australia. That's going to have a big influence on what the RBA does next. It's Wednesday, the 18th of May, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the yo-yoing continues, particularly on equity markets that, of course, finished largely down yesterday. Today, they are up quite a bit, 2.8% up for the Nasdaq. The S&P 500 is up 2%, 1.3% for the Dow. Some of those tech stocks that were out of favour are back in favour now, travel stocks as well. So 8% up for United Airlines, 2% for Microsoft. And in Europe, 1.5% up for the Eurostoxx 50, 0.7% for the FTSE 100. The US dollar has fallen again, 0.8% this time, down to 103.3 on the DXY index. The big rise has been the pound that is up 1.3% this morning. The euro is up 1%. The Aussie is up 0.7%, back over 70 US cents. And bond yields rising. 10-year treasuries uh, up 10 basis points, just a couple of points off being back at 3%. UK 10-year gilts have risen 15 basis points. And we've seen big moves across Europe as well, up 11 for German 10-year bunds, for example. And oil is falling today. We've got 2.5% drop in Brent, 1.8% off WTI. So make of that what you will. Well, actually, you don't have to make anything of it because uh, that's why we've got Rodrigo Catrill here from NAB in Sydney. Uh, so some of those gains that we've seen in shares will in part be down to those retail numbers that we saw out of the United States, presumably, which were very strong in April uh, and uh, actually 0.9% month on month. But that is on a uh, higher base because we've seen a significant uh, revision in growth from the March numbers. Uh, yeah, morning, Phil. So I suppose that this, this positive vibes is probably worth emphasizing that they've really been uh, seen since the beginning or since sort of halfway of the APAC session yesterday. We, we had some good news coming from China, um, which instigated this improvement in, in resentiment. Uh, but as you say, it's also been well supported by uh, the solid data that we got from the U.S., uh, with those retail sales numbers, which um, once you look through sort of volatility uh, and you look at the core measure, it's actually very, very well supported on a broad base. So there's been a strong consumption, if you like, on the goods and the services side, um, whilst at the same time, um, it plays to the view that the consumer in in the U.S., notwithstanding the rise in, uh, in the increase in prices, is still very much uh, on a strong momentum, uh, not only for the end of Q1, but now for the beginning of Q2 as well. Um, and is, so is this is this is this vol is this volume because I mean how much of it is that you know prices have gone up, so we're seeing an increase in the value, but volumes uh, might not be going up because we've seen, for example, retail inventories going up, so. Uh, that could be because they're not selling as much. I'm just wondering whether that we, we're seeing a bit of that going on. You know, it's going up because prices have gone up. People are uh, dipping into their credit cards or, uh, you know, maybe borrowing a bit more against their, their houses because they've seen those those going up in value. So there's sort of a bit bit of short-term momentum going on here. It is. But um, so when you when you look at the numbers and you annualize them, we'll be talking about a rate of increase of 11 or even 15%, depending on how you measure it, Yeah. So, um, mm. so then you can say, well, actually, even though, as you say, the prices, because these, these are nominal measures, are reflecting the increase in inflation or the rise in inflation. Um, even through that, the, the data is, is very strong. Yeah. And yeah. it is showing that on a real basis, there's, there has actually been an increase in, in consumption. 
Um, so that's the first point. But then the question mark is, that how is this happening? Uh, well, it's happening. Wages have not been able to keep up with that rate of inflation. So it suggests that the, the consumer is actually dipping into its savings, whilst at the same time, it's also evidence that there's been an increase in, in credit so uh, the second part, that increase in credit suggests uh, that this is not something that is sustainable, um, whilst at the same time, um, it also suggests that, you know, th- um, you know that the, the Fed may be encouraged to, to carry on pushing because um, they want to see a slowdown in the, in demand in order to, to bring down that, that inflation, it's which is a complicated key, key buy- aspect. Yeah, buy behavior is very complicated, isn't it? Because you would also get people saying, well, okay, if prices are going up, better buy now. I'm going to borrow now, buy now, because I don't want to pay more later. You get all that sort of bringing forward as well. Yes. Uh, so um, we'll see how we'll see how all that plays out. But, I mean, other numbers, industrial production numbers are up as well. I mean, it's been a, a good na- day for numbers out of the U.S. generally, hasn't it? You know, if we ignore housing, uh, which obviously isn't looking so good because uh, interest rates are going up. But generally, uh, you know, good numbers from the U.S. Well, you, you say housing, and one of the things that hasn't been sort of widely reported is that, that home builder sentiment, uh, which – you know, had a, a decent collapse uh, overnight from 77 to 69. So well below the consensus that was looking for an ease towards 75. So instead of having mm-hmm. a two-point drop, uh, we had an eight-point drop. Uh, and again, as you say, the one concern uh, in terms of the U.S. economy is that there's certainly evidence that the housing market may be rolling over. We had this huge increases in uh, and mortgage rates, and now we've seen, seen the builders uh, recognizing or, or showing sort of sensitivity to that increase, um, uh, showing a, a decline in sentiments. Uh, but on the industrial side, as you say, the industrial production for, for April was very strong, and again, suggests that the consumer and production, uh, at least at the start of Q2, is going to be very, very strong. Well, housing isn't going to get any better the more Jerome Powell. Uh and the Fed pushes up interest rates, and we had uh, Jerome Powell. He spoiled the party on shares, didn't we, really? Because, I mean, as you say, they were up on uh, on the China news and, and then on the retail numbers. They fell, uh, as Jerome Powell uh, talked about, how the, you know they are going to keep on lifting rates uh, for as long as it takes, uh, even if, and I quote in his words, that involves moving past broadly understood levels of neutral. Uh, we won't hesitate to do that, he said, whatever the expected level of, of, of neutral is. Having said that, you know, the shares are bounce, bounce back. I mean, they took a bit of a knock then, but they bounce back. Uh, but he's just going to, you know, they're just going to keep on going. So that isn't going to be good for housing. Yes, it's certainly going to be a pain point there. And, and I suppose the, the, the interesting thing there, so Powell has been sort of delivering this hawkish message for um, some time now in the past couple of weeks. Mm. Um, but that, that sort of emphasis on, not only that the, the, the Fed is prepared to take some pain, if you like, in, in order to restore price stability is an important component. Uh, and I suppose that the new information there is that emphasis that um, the Fed um, doesn't see neutral as a place where you, you stop. And neutral is just yeah. a, you know, a level. Um, and the importance here is to see that evidence that there's going to be a nice or a slowdown in those inflationary pressures. Otherwise, the Fed will continue hiking. So... Right. Again, inflation is the, the key variable here in terms of what, what the Fed will do over the rest of 2022. Right. We don't know where neutral is, but we do know when we get there, uh, we've probably gone past it and uh, we don't want to stop anyway. That seems to be what it is. And it's by then it would be too late because you've gone too far. <laughs> well, no wonder then. There was a Bank of America global fund survey uh, out uh, overnight. Uh, showing that uh, investors are holding on to cash, actually the highest level since 2001. The biggest risk, they reckon, hawkish central banks. 
So, you know, there's obviously a bit of a concern that uh, Jerome Powell is banging his head against the wall and he's not going to stop until it stops hurting. You know, I mean, because yeah. there's the danger. What if they are doing totally the wrong thing? I mean, we don't know, do we? Well, I, I suppose from a currency perspective, uh, it's also a reminder that uh, this is why the, the US dollar is the reserve currency of the world and the one that gets bid mm. when, when there's uncertainty. When there's uncertainty, you look for liquidity. Um, and, and the dollar is certainly the currency of choice in that regard. And, and it's been one of the reasons why the, the, the US dollar has been well supported over this time. Now, when it's a spike in jobs, bad news. Generally, it's good, isn't it? But it's bad when it means inflation is going to follow. And that's almost certainly what's uh, happening in the UK. The UK job numbers, 83,000 extra people uh, in jobs in February. The expectation was 5,000. So uh, quite a lot more, 57,000 less welfare claimants. They've got an unemployment rate of just 3.7% now. That's the lowest in 50 years. Uh, and perhaps more concerning a massive spike in job vacancies 1.3 million jobs available that is the highest ever and the first time ever that vacancies have exceeded people looking for work that's got uh, wage push inflation all over it hasn't it it does and and it sort of suggests that uh, notwithstanding these concerns about the outlook of the uk economy in terms of growth uh, and in terms of inflation and in terms of access to energy uh, the labour market is still it's, it's it's very tight, and um, and this is one of the issues that the Bank of England had uh, raised. If you recall, a while ago they were talking about the need to see those wage increases or earnings; they need to come down, uh, otherwise it will force the hand for the Bank of England to do something about it. Um, and now it yeah. just reemphasises the dilemma that the, the Bank of England is facing. They know um, growth is challenged uh, ahead; uh, inflation still remains elevated. But yet the labor market is still very, very tight. So um, it raises a bit of concern around what the Bank of England has got to do, if you like. Uh, And we've certainly seen that in in terms of pricing expectations with with an increase of rate hikes uh, for for the remainder of 2022. So the average earnings, including bonuses, was up 7%. That was for March. So that's a month before uh, all those, you know, all those... uh uh, other figures I was giving you were for April, so you know all of that's still got to come. So presumably, you know, those those wages are going to go even higher. So I mean, there's no doubt Andrew Bailey is changing his rhetoric. I mean, he was uh, obviously pretty hawkish, but then he was a bit dovish. But he used the word apocalyptic yesterday. <laughs> he was saying uh, food prices. Uh, you know, the, he doesn't want to use the word apocalyptic, but he did use it. Uh, obviously, trying to get get a, he a did. I mean, but to be fair, he wasn't talking about the UK when he used the word. He was talking about food prices but and, and what means for the more yep. vulnerable economies, uh, particularly in emerging markets. But it's certainly a, a massive concern for any country that is uh, an importer of, of food. And mm. so in addition to this energy crisis, um, you know, the, the food dilemma is, is probably going to become a huge, huge factor for the global economy uh, in, in 2023 in particular. Well, you don't buy food during an apocalypse do you I've, I've watched those zombie movies you're, you're there you know smashing windows into supermarkets look yeah <laughs> uh, we get the inflation figures for the uk so that's going to be pretty important today we also get them for uh, canada as well i guess you know anything that's got uh, cpi written on it is is an important number uh, but you mentioned uh, china let's have a look at that quickly three days of zero covid uh, community transmission in shanghai uh, so that is what they've been waiting for to open up. I hate to appear as though I'm the pessimistic one here. Uh, well, you have a good uh, go at it as well, Rodrigo, when you're on. But, <laughs> but you know, we know when they open it up, uh, they're just going to get COVID again. You know, it's uh, until they they disband with this zero COVID policy. I mean, it's, it's just going to be open up, close down, open up again, isn't it? It is. So I suppose in terms of the, the good news first, um, as you mentioned, the, the prospects now are in terms of, 
um, Shanghai looking to to ease some of the those restrictions by Friday, uh, given that these milestones that the authorities have been talking about have been reached. Um, so that that's the good news. Um, and as you say, our concern is that. Um, as much as there, there's going to be an ease in restrictions, we, we don't see those restrictions completely going away. Um, and in fact, we think that um, the easing restrictions will allow, will allow a little bit of, particularly on the manufacturing side, for activity to resume uh, with you know very strict measures in, in many manufacturing sites where you basically you go and live in the in the in the in the manufacturing warehouse um, and you don't leave um, and you get tested all the time. And, and the level and intensity of testing uh, is going to be something that will keep the consumer and sentiment quite quite brittle in, in our view. Uh, and particularly when you think about the mm. services side of the economy and the consumer, uh, we think that the, the outlook still looks quite challenging. And, and the other thing as well to, to note is that there's still news of outbreaks um, in parts of Beijing and in, in other cities which again places the view that some sort of strict measures will be reintroduced in, in, in those areas. And, and unfortunately, until China has a, a vaccine or a solution to COVID itself in terms of uh, some measure from a healthcare perspective, you know, any sort of big reopening will face, you know, in, a new wave of infections. Yeah. And, and, and that, that, that is a challenge that has not gone away, at least, um, you know, for a few months until we hear any news in terms of what China is doing about vaccines or, or cures. Yeah, maybe they right. could try a different vaccine. Maybe that would be the answer. Uh, so uh, Q1 uh, GDP growth numbers for Japan today, they, I, mean, I think they're expected to contract a bit, aren't they? We had uh, a revision to the uh, GDP growth numbers for Europe uh, yesterday or overnight, uh, 0.3% up quarter on quarter, so revised up ever so slightly uh, despite the war. So I guess that's, you know, that's positive news as well. Uh, but obviously they need to do more in uh, in Europe. Klaus Knott, who's the chief of the Dutch Central Bank today, suggesting that the ECB should perhaps start looking at a 50 basis point rate rise. Yes, uh, so that, that's an interesting remark because um, it's the first sort of ECB, whilst we had quite a lot of hawks talking, um, uh, you know, he's now really kind of raising the prospects of that 50 basis point rise, highlighting that unless if, if there's a possibility that his inflation outlook worsen, and if that's the case, then a 50 basis point rate hike uh, will be in the cards. And, and that has been a factor for, you know, the support that we've seen in, in the euro Um all of this uncertainty around the global economy saw that those pricing expectations come down to around uh, 85 basis point of hikes uh, for 2022. And now the comments from uh, from um, ECB Nods has actually lifted it back above 1%. 1 yeah. uh, so it's certainly been significant. It's played into that uh, outperformance that we've seen from, from the euro and other European currencies as well. Right. The uh, wage price index for Australia today, all eyes are going to be on that. Um, so, uh, yeah, what, what I mean, if it's high, obviously that's going to be a signal for the RBA to push rates higher in June. But, you know, I mean, it's low comparatively, certainly not like that 7% year-on-year figure that we saw in the UK. It's not going to be anywhere near that. Yeah, so it's still sort of a small increases in terms of the dynamics that we're seeing in Australia. Uh, importantly, we think that, um, you know, when when uh, Taylor and, and Tappas have been looking at the numbers, they reckon that there's a chance, you know, for, for a print of 0.7, um, which will be a little bit lower than what the market is looking at. The market is looking at a, a rise of 0.8. Um, but importantly, a mm. 0.7 will kind of land pretty close to what the RBA was thinking in May. Um, and that will play to the view that, you know, rate hacks will be coming, but uh, at the pace of 25 basis points, 
um, uh, as the sort of the RBA have been suggesting, back to normal, if you like. Uh, but if we do get a, a stronger print of 0.8, and in the, the detail of that 0.8 will be important. If it's a, it's if it's a strong 0.8, you know, above 8.5, if you like, uh, that will certainly uh, suggest that these inflationary uh, wage pressures that we think are coming are coming a lot sooner. And that will be the conclusion we think the RBA will come to as well. And it will cre- increase the prospects of, you know, a much stronger than 25 basis point hike uh, in next month. Uh, but at this stage, our view is that particularly the NAP survey and all those other leading indicators are telling us that wage pressures are coming, but that's actually going to be reflected probably around August, September. And that's where the pressure will be on the RBA to, to hike uh, at, a, at a, a stronger pace. Some point they're going to do 40 or something, aren't they? They're going to, they're going to want to reach those, uh, you know, it's going to be 0.75% or 1% or whatever. <laughs> just, even just to exactly. make it easier for exactly. all of us to work out exactly. where the cash yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it looks a bit odd otherwise, doesn't it? Uh, so look, we get housing starts and mortgage applications in the US today. So presumably they're going to, as rates go up, they're going to go, uh, they're going to go down as we talked about earlier, but it really is inflation that we're concerned about. So CPI for Canada is going to be of more interest, I suspect. Uh, but we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk. Uh, we'll catch you again soon, Rodrigo. Thank you. Thanks for your talk, Sam. Cheers. Two days of positive sentiment can we go for a third day despite our best endeavors here on the morning call that's it for today i'm phil dobby for now back again tomorrow morning i'll see you then thanks for listening